0: you know there was nothing that i can do i was uh probably one of the last uh, last members to to even hear uh the bad news um and at that by the time that i heard you know what was going on and that funds were uh, were being misused there was nothing i can do
1: hi and welcome to the preboot sensei podcast my name is eric sillis and i am your host and this is the 14th episode of the Preboot Cincinnati podcast, and the fourth in our second season, a season dedicated entirely to telling the stories of Cincinnati entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs like Lawrence Jones, the founder and CEO of Just Hire Me. And Lawrence's story is really one of the ultimate perseverance. Persevering in something that he truly believes in. It's a good one, so stay tuned.
0: Just Hire Me is a teen staffing platform where neighbors and businesses can hire teenagers within their community for small projects and light chores. So essentially what we try to do is connect teens uh, to jobs right within their community. If a uh, neighbor needs some uh, extra help around the house, um, they can hire a teenager through our program. Uh, If a business um, has uh, extra demand and they need extra an extra labor force. They can hire uh, teenagers. And we try to make sure that they come from uh, the neighborhood of the business or of the neighbor.
1: So one of the first things I thought when Lawrence started telling me about his business was teenagers. Really? Why teenagers? I mean, if I'm honest, it seems like most people don't like working with teenagers. They tend to get a pretty bad rap. They may be seen as lazy or irresponsible, or they just aren't that skilled. Lawrence, however, he sees it totally differently.
0: Teens are, you know, obviously the future. But I've never been one of those people that look at kids as like bad kids. I'm like, well, it's a learned behavior. You know, where where do they learn it from? You know, how how do they get to this point? You know, how do you... How do you survive 15, 16 years And uh, you're bad Well There have Clearly Been some influencers You know uh, To get someone at point. So I look at That type of situation And I am one of those people Also that believe that That people can change They need opportunity And When I think of What I want to do with Just Hire Me, I want to
1: attack both of those things simultaneously. And Lawrence provides a really great opportunity for his teens. Not just the opportunity to get a job. It's the opportunity to get a lot of real-life education, as well as a mentor and coaching. And if that weren't enough, he also helps them learn about how to set a solid financial future. Well, uh,
0: as a part of the Just Hire Me program, we don't just... Find the the team's jobs. We actually uh, put them through a four-week certification program prior to uh, this. Allows us to uh, emphasize uh, some of our values, uh, some of the things that uh, the teams will need when dealing with the public. So, uh, for example, we go over uh, etiquette. Um, you know, your language, your dress, your manners, um, just how to uh, interact, how to shake hands, uh, which is very very important. Um, we also go over, you know, how to fill out application, the importance of having a resume, uh, the difference between a personal check and a a payroll check, how to fill that, uh, how to fill a personal check out, how to uh, understand, you know, what's FICA on my my payroll check, making sure they have those types of basic understandings, um, and also to save money and uh, make sure they pay themselves. Um, we go over uh, financial literacy. They need to uh, understand uh, certain things so that they can make better decisions financially as they get older. So we work to make sure the teens have 401k accounts uh, and also that uh, they have bank accounts so they can have a couple of different places to uh, store their money
1: safely. And Lawrence obviously does this because it's good for the teens. But it's not only good for them, it's also good for the businesses who want to hire them. Because this gives Lawrence a chance to vet the people who come through his program, to see who shows up consistently, who's reliable and on time, who's professional. And so this truly is a win-win. The teens benefit, but so do the businesses and the people who want to hire those teens. And that's what Lawrence is after. He wants to create an environment where everyone can thrive and people can mutually benefit from one another.
0: Exactly. Um, That's one of of my biggest issues with... Um, current job uh, offering or uh, or current uh, job trainings for teens. Um, uh, most um, options that teens have, uh, they can get uh, work at a uh, fast food place or you know something of that nature. Um, but but they don't teach the teens you know how to be uh, smart with their money. It's just a paycheck. Um, and then on the other spectrum. You have, you know, really good organizations, and they teach, you know, teens, you know, mentoring, you know, um, leadership, you know, development, um, you know, all of these skills to, to work on yourself, uh, and they build these young people up, but but then there aren't any job opportunities, you know, um, at the end. So we try to come up with a, a platform that covers everything from A to Z. So we want to, to have that leadership, to have that mentorship, to give you Uh, some soft skills, but then at the end, make sure that we uh, find you work, whether that be temporary or or permanent. Um, But we want to make sure that we cover everything from A to Z and make sure that you're um, smarter financially and that you learn how to save because these these skills will only help you and help our young people uh, as they become uh, adults later in life.
1: And I think a lot of this passion comes from Lawrence's past. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, he could trace this itch and this desire back to when he was a kid. But while a lot of the stories you hear may talk about kids wanting to do lemonade stands or selling baseball cards, Lawrence had a few different opportunities, things that honestly I never thought about when I was growing up as a kid, things that have made people a lot of money, but have also got people in a lot of trouble.
0: So, I mean, even as a, a young um, kid myself, even as a teenager, um... I always, you know, wanted to figure out ways to make money. And um, I was never into, into drugs, like I was never tempted by, you know, the lure of selling drugs. I just, I kind of got it, like, immediately. Like, it just, it didn't do anything for me.
1: But that didn't stop Lawrence from starting his entrepreneurial journey as just a kid in high school. He found creative ways in his neighborhood or with his friends at school to make money. Things that didn't require him compromising his future or getting in trouble with the law.
0: In school, <laughs> uh at school I, I I used to sell sandwiches because at school you only you, you getting, you know, chicken and some pizza. So, you know, mom, you know, she would buy turkey and salami and ham. And so I came to school with like this this subway sandwich and and someone's like, Hey, you how much you want for that? I'm like, sure. Give me two dollars and you know Hey, you can have this sandwich. I'm gonna go make some more. So I would, you know, I started making sandwiches and selling them at school. And then my parents, you know, them not being entrepreneurs, instead of being like, "Hey, let's go get bulk lunch meat, and you can make money," was like, "Hey, you gotta stop that. You you the bread is going too fast. The mayonnaise going too fast. You know, it was like nine people in the house. Uh, so, you know, so that you know, so that was an issue, but it was also a learning experience. Matter of fact, we went to Hughes and, um, Acropolis, uh, used to be, um, on, on that particular strip and me and my brother, uh, we had this bright idea. We was like, man, Acropolis sell these pizzas, you know, these big New York slices, but you can get, you know, a whole pizza for like eight bucks. So. We was like, man, it's always about 20 people at the bus stop. We just gonna buy extra pizza and sell them two dollars a slice and make our money back and pretty much eat for free. Um, and then me and a partner, uh, we had idea to, to start throwing parties and, and promoting, and, and we started throwing, you know, parties and, and things like that. So we we just always had that type of of mindset to just, you know, kind of be a go-getter, kind of. Do something different in terms of, of earning money because it's, it's so much potential to get it in, I mean, a, a ton of different
1: ways. But after graduating high school, Lawrence didn't try to become a bus stop pizza mogul or make a living trying to sell sandwiches inside the cafeteria. And that's not just because it would have been kind of creepy to do that, it's because he actually had his sights set on something a lot bigger than that. A nonprofit he called Young Entrepreneurs. So it was uh, was an acronym uh, acronym uh, YEP.
0: We called it Yep, Young Entrepreneurs. And um, the goal of Young Entrepreneurs was to provide a a safe haven um, for uh, at-risk teens, um, a place they can call their own, a place that they could go that they could say, "This is just for us." Um, and that that stemmed from a meeting that uh in in avondale i grew up in avondale um, was born and raised there and um, there are a lot of churches in avondale and they would have these regular monthly meetings we happened to be a part of one me and uh, my partner at that time and they were having a hard time reaching the youth themselves so um we literally went outside uh, red and roll we got a bunch of young people to come into the church and they were just sort of amazed that you know, how we were able to do that. And it was essentially just asking them. Um, and, and, and what happened at that point in time, you know, the idea of YEP Entrepreneurs was, was sort of born.
1: And Lawrence and his team at YEP actually did some really impressive things and made a lot of significant change. The kind of change that, honestly, a lot of people and a lot of companies and nonprofits would love to be making.
0: Um. And we did some really cool things. Uh, we had a, um, an Avondale versus Bond Hill truce basketball game. At that point in time, there were really two neighborhoods that were really going back and forth with each other. Um, and you had, uh, we did a police versus the uh, streets uh, uh, truce basketball game. Um, and uh, that, that was uh, pretty unique uh, also. Um, and even at that time, uh, there was a lot of shootings going back and forth between both neighborhoods. And um, we were very instrumental in, uh, in stopping a lot of that gun violence back at that time. Um, so, so we were very, very uh, happy to be a part of, uh, of something like that.
1: And when you're able to make this kind of impact, you tend to catch the eye of some really important people. And Lawrence and his team caught the eye of one person in particular who could really help them build everything they wanted to build who could finance every project that they wanted to do. And he wanted to meet with them. It seemed like things were going really
0: well. So yeah, I had the opportunity to meet the, uh, the late Carl Linder Jr. Um, and uh, we had a chance to, uh, to sit around and discuss the idea of YEP Entrepreneurs. He liked the idea. Um, he offered to, uh, to put uh, $250,000 um, as an investment into uh, you know getting uh, this this property and, and you know furnishing it, um, which we we weren't expecting that we're just like you know you know wow you know we, you know you just don't you don't have that type of encounter every day. Uh, the next day we got a call from one of our advisors at that time and said that he slept on it and decided to give another fifty thousand dollars, so we're up to three hundred thousand uh, dollars as an investment and we were like, you know, great. You know, we are able to, um, you know, really get the ball rolling. And the reason that uh, the ball is not currently rolling is that uh, money was being, you know, misused and mismanaged at that time. And uh, by the time it got back to uh, Carl Linder Jr., uh, I mean, the program was just, was dead. You know, there was nothing that I can do. I was uh, probably one of the last uh, last members to... To even hear uh, the bad news, um, and at that, by the time that I heard, you know what was going on, and that funds were uh, were being misused, there was nothing I can do.
1: Um, so just like that, the dream for young entrepreneurs was dead, and Lawrence didn't know what to do. And when I first sat down to talk to Lawrence, he just described this time as he learned a lot of valuable business lessons that might be understanding it quite a bit. Lawrence didn't realize what was going on behind the scenes, that money was being misused, that things were maybe a little shady. And because of that, everything that he had wanted to build, everything that he had been working towards, slipped out of his fingers. $300,000, gone. Everything came crashing down. But we said at the beginning of this that Lawrence's story is one of perseverance. And so Young Entrepreneurs isn't the end of the story. In fact, it's just act one. Act two, well, I bet you guessed it right. It's Just Hire Me. And we're going to hear that story in a minute. Before we do that, we want to take a break for a new segment. A segment we're calling Garage Stories. For years, the garage has been the center of the American entrepreneurial story. It's the place where dreams are turned into reality. Where the first prototypes are made where the first inventory is stocked. And it's a place of late nights and early mornings. And it's also the place where Braxton Brewing Company got their start. Brewing beer in their garage just because they loved it. And Braxton wants to celebrate these entrepreneurs. So much so that right in the middle of their taproom, they put a giant garage door. And behind that garage door is a co-working space where you will find entrepreneurs working hard to turn their dream into a reality entrepreneurs like Luke and Spencer. Hey, I'm Luke Klepek. I'm Spencer Pope. And Luke, Spencer, and team are building an app called Peep the Study App. With Peep the Study App, our users will be able to set up a study interval where they can say how long they want to study. While they're supposed to be studying, we will track if uh, they actually access a social media or a different kind of distraction uh, from their phone and will reward them with a productivity score. And Peep won't just tell you how productive you have or haven't been. You can actually compare your scores to other students at the same university, and you can find students who are in the same class, and you can collaborate, challenge each other, even share notes back and forth. Their hope is that they can unlock the power of a connected university to help make everyone better. And ironically enough, this idea came to Luke when he should have been doing his homework, but found himself distracted instead. I came up with this idea uh, because I was in the middle of typing a paper one night. It was about 2 a.m. It was it was supposed to be 10 pages long. I think I was maybe a page in. I, I received a, a Facebook notification or some sort of notification on my phone and immediately just turned my head from you know my computer screen where I was typing to my phone because it alerted me and I habitually and mindlessly just clicked the home button and... Accessed every single social media app that I had on my phone Scrolling through each and every one of them for like a combined total of over 45 minutes and uh, I ran upstairs to Spencer's room. and I said hey, this is a great idea that I just had you got to listen to this and uh, I, I had the idea of you know, just we've got to find a way to block out distractions block out this habitual and mindless, you know, just con- continuous social hyperconnectivity. That is Luke and Spencer of Peep the Study App. If you'd like to find out more about Peep, you can do so on their Facebook or Instagram at Peep underscore mobile. Or you can check out their website at thestudyapp.co. Braxton Brewing Company. Lift one to life. And now, back to the show. Okay, let's just recap the story for a second. Lawrence and his team were building a company called Young Entrepreneurs. And they had talked with Carl Linder Jr. and a few others to secure $300,000 worth of investment, which was enough for them to start to build the center they wanted to build, to continue to build out programming and host these events. It was a big deal. But then everything slipped away because there was money being mismanaged behind the scenes. And so the dream of young entrepreneurs was gone. But the passion, the drive, that didn't go away. That was still burning inside Lawrence. And so fast forward to 2014. And Lawrence is sitting at the Parkside Cafe in Walnut Hills. And he's reading the newspaper. When all of a sudden something catches his eye.
0: Um, it's a little cafe uh, off of uh, McMillan, And um, so I, I'm reading the paper and it's talking about all of these different companies. And they're doing this investing. And I'm like, you know, is it, is it possible that that
1: this, uh, my idea, could actually be, you know, reborn. Lawrence was reading about the startup since scene seen and about how much it was exploding and that the businesses that were a part of it were disrupting a lot of big businesses and the way things have traditionally been done. He was reading about how much money is being invested in these types of companies. And just like that, the spark for Lawrence to build another company was ignited. Um, and so, you know, I, I just went for it. All right, hold on. I'm going to stop there for a second because one of the things that really bothers me when entrepreneurs tell their story is you just get a sentence like that. So I just went for it and that's it. That's all you hear about how the idea came about. We're not going to do that. And I think we all know it's not just that easy. You don't just go for it. So here's what Lawrence actually did.
0: And uh, that led to uh, me doing my research, joining Startup Cincy. Um I had a chance to participate in a 2015 Startup Weekend. And that's really where the idea sort of uh, morphed, uh, if you will, into Just Hire Me. We went through several variations of the name. You know, Go Hire Me, Maybe You'll Hire Me. Uh, we settled on Just Hire Me. We did not win 2015 Startup Weekend. But um, I think that we're the only company that is still... Um, in business, from that uh, that actual
1: uh, event, and so Startup Weekend 2015 was probably one of the biggest catalysts for him building the company that is Just Hire Me today. And it, we've said a lot about how perseverance is the is the backbone of Lawrence's story, and it's not just because this is his second attempt at launching a business. It's not just because Just Hire Me is Act Two. It's also because He's outlasted a lot of other people. And you're going to see a constant theme as to why that is. It's because Lawrence really cares about what he's building. He believes in it with everything inside of him. Because good ideas come and good ideas go. Ideas that you think are just cool tend to be pretty fleeting ideas. But passions, core convictions, those don't go anywhere.
0: That event, someone uh, mentioned to me said, "You know what? You should you should go check out Mortar," and I did check out Mortar. I went to a Mortar and um, met some great guys over there, and uh, they've been very resourceful. I joined the Mortar program. Uh, I, I was uh, part of their fourth class, and I, I learned a lot. Got some great connections, and continue to get great connections from those guys. And then um, I was able to actually test out. Um, just hire me through the summer of 2016 at this point. And um, I was able to really learn a lot, um, get some validations for some of my assumptions. And um, then I wound up joining the Founder Institute. I was a part of their inaugural class. Um, So I'm I'm just really dedicated. You know, if I see an opportunity to better the product and learn and and make it good, you know, I'll, I'll go to it. I'll attend it. I'll be a part of it. And the Founders Institute really um, had me doing some hard work, things I'd never done as an entrepreneur to really flush out the ideas. And, um, and then at that point, I
1: mean, just hiring me was just 100% alive. Um, we were off and running. And at this point in the conversation, something jumped out to me that I thought was interesting. It's pretty clear that Lawrence is trying to build a business, a true for-profit business. An enterprise, albeit a social enterprise, but an enterprise nonetheless. Lawrence wasn't out trying to hunt down grant dollars. He was trying to hunt down developers to build an app. He wasn't trying to pitch donors. He was pitching investors. And this is a space that has been traditionally dominated by nonprofits or government entities. And that's the route that Lawrence had gone in the past. And so I wanted to know, why the change why not follow the traditional model?
0: I look at nonprofits as they don't have the capacity to scale because they are funded through philanthropy and grant dollars. Um, and, and so they, they reach a point where, you know, they can, they can only do so much. Um, and I, 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 when I joined the Founder Institute, they said, you know, you need to think of a business that will be able to be ran for 20 plus years and that can employ thousands of people. So with Just Hire Me, you know, this is something that can be modeled in other cities and other states. You know, our platform isn't just, you know, me having a class and then, you know, um, you know, making a connection over the phone. You know, we're developing a technology where We can be sort of the the Uber of service convenience, but it's for teenagers. And teenagers being able to connect with neighbors and businesses in their neighborhood. So uh, a neighbor or business will be able to just hop right on our our app and say, hey, you know, I need somebody to help me do this. I'm looking for a teen to help me do that. Someone right within my neighborhood, um, which we haven't seen anyone, you know, do to date.
1: But what Lawrence is trying to do, It isn't easy. The childhood poverty rate in Cincinnati is more than double the national average. And Cincinnati continues to be not just top 10, but top five in the worst cities when it comes to childhood poverty. So that means what Lawrence is trying to do is really, really important. But it's also really, really difficult. But Lawrence sees that as an opportunity, a problem that he wants to figure out how to solve.
0: Cincinnati has a really, really big problem, especially in terms of childhood poverty. I want to be able to, uh, to tackle that. And I know that if we can do it here in Cincinnati and, and disrupt um, that national ranking and, and do our part to bring it down, I can't imagine any other city and state not wanting it. And through technology, we can do that and we can do it quickly.
1: But it definitely hasn't always been easy for Lawrence. In fact, I asked him that very question. Has it been easy?
0: Oh no, <laughs> it's,
1: been, it's been
0: disrespectful at times. <laughs> oh no, it hasn't been easy. I mean, even going through um, going through, man, I'm gonna tell you the real deal, uh, Eric. <laughs> when I we um, going through startup weekend in 2015, I mean, it was just me and one other person working on our idea like nobody could see the the vision. We didn't get nobody that wanted to work with us. We didn't we could when you go to a startup weekend, you have idea people, design people, um developer um so on and so forth and you get, you know, color-coded tags so you know who to look for to ask to be a part of your group. We didn't get anybody to uh to help us with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um even, you know, right now, I mean, I'm a, I'm a minority business owner um, you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a black man you know and and you can't excuse me I don't say want to say you can't.
1: And you can tell that Lawrence is a little hesitant to talk about this topic. It's something he feels passionately but I think it's also something he knows he needs to talk about carefully and he definitely doesn't want to use it as an excuse or a crutch but it's a pretty well documented fact. The world of entrepreneurship the world of tech, it has a diversity problem. And this is a problem that Lawrence faces all the time. It just makes it harder to do business.
0: I'm a minority business owner. I'm a black man. And it's very hard to get um, funding, to get people to look at your idea when they may not have came from the certain type of circumstance that led to your idea creation. So somebody can think about something that to me, I'm just like, you know, I, I I don't I don't get it. But you know, if they if they look like the rest of the room, the rest of the room is like, oh yeah, I totally understand that. Well, if the rest of the room ain't filled up with black people, and I'm telling you about this social problem, but how we can make money on it, you know, you 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 just not gonna understand because you may not have experienced that social problem. It's not a reality to you, you know. Um, so so. I, I feel like, and I would say I know that I've, I've just been affected by that. And it isn't like, I'm just like, all right, it may be a longer journey, but I have a really, really solid um, at
1: first idea, now business. But that isn't going to stop Lawrence. It doesn't matter if he was a kid trying to sell pizza slices at a bus stop to his friends in high school, or if he's now trying to build a company that he thinks could actually really impact a serious problem. Lawrence doesn't give up easily, even through the hardships, like watching his first attempt fall apart right in front of his eyes. It's not easy to stop Lawrence from chasing something that he believes in. And that's what sets him apart. He continues to fight when everyone else has given up.
0: And a lot of other businesses, you know, it may have been cute and funny at the time, but they're no longer here. And in actuality, the only reason that they're no longer here is because the creator of the business gave up. And that's the only reason that just hired me is still here to this day because I didn't give up, I didn't, I didn't quit. You know, you have to just weather that storm and just realize, like, hey, you know, it, it, we're, we're humans. People are gonna do what they do. You can't get caught up in your feelings. If you believe in yourself, which you should believe in yourself more than anybody, you'll, you'll just push past it. You'll persevere. You, you will find a way. You will make a way. And, and that's all that I'm doing right now.
1: This might seem like it's become a repeating theme on this podcast, and I think that's because it has. The people who I interview, the reason they're able to get through the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows of entrepreneurship is because they are just so passionate about what they are doing. They believe in it. They love it. And I think it's only those who have that type of passion, the thing that is driving them from inside to go after this. Those are the people who tend to make it. They're willing to put up with a little bit more discomfort, a little bit more hardship. And also, it's what makes their stories so compelling. It's why I'm excited to do what I'm doing, to tell you their stories, to see that passion and that fire come to life.
0: So, you know, you know, in the type of business that I'm in, um, you know, I've, I've got a few options. Uh, like you said, I can, I can cry about it. I can quit or, you know, I can do something about it. And I chose to do something about it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I you know, I get bothered from time to time. You know, it's frustrating. Uh, I mean, a, a couple of days ago, I was like, you know, I'm about to just throw in the towel. I mean, oh, my goodness. It's just like the roughest day ever. I can't get anything that I need to get accomplished or to go my way and I talked to some you know some of my supporters and you know my encouragers and um the next day was like the best day ever I mean you know all types of you know blessings you know coming my way and and so those are just the ups and downs of a business but for uh, for me you know I'm I'm just not afraid of the challenge like you know I don't I don't run from it. I've envisioned myself, you know, as I as I get older, as I become more mature person. I mean, I want to be a humanitarian. Um, I do want to give back. I want to make money. And I understand the world that we live in. And I understand, you know, what you can do if you have a significant amount of money. So I don't run from that also. You know, a lot of people they think, "Oh, it was no, man." You got to understand where you live at. You live in a country, a world that allows you that opportunity. Take advantage of it. And if you're the type of person that wants to give back, I want to give back. And, and 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 you know, that's that's my choice. But I know it. I also want to do a lot of good, and I want to invoke some some real change. And and um, you just you just kind of gotta, you know. You Tie your shoes up and and hit the ground running. And you're going to trip. You're going to fall. But you got to stay focused. You got to believe in yourself. You got to see the goal. You got to see the finish line when don't nobody else see it. Um, And that's just all that I'm
1: trying to do. If you've been moved at all by Lawrence's story, or if you believe in the change that he's trying to make in our community, then I do want to take a quick moment and just let you know there is a way that you can join in. The first thing you can do is you can sign up and hire a teen, whether you do it as a neighbor or if it's a company that you run. You can hire them to do things like cut your grass or run your social media campaign. But there's one other thing that I want to specifically call out, especially for the humanitarians who are listening to this. Lawrence mentioned at the beginning of this episode that he sets up every single teen with a 401k account. And he teaches them to put money aside for their future even the money they're making now as a teenager. But one of the things he really wants to do is to be able to put the first few dollars into that account for them so that it becomes a little bit more real to them. And so if you would be interested in donating money for Lawrence to be able to do that, you can do that on his website. Okay, we've pretty much reached the end of the show. But before we go, I always ask every single entrepreneur the same question. What is one piece of advice you would have for aspiring entrepreneurs? Or if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? And one of the things that Lawrence said is that the risk, it honestly is worth it. Not just because it's something he believes, but also because he believes that if it doesn't work out, he can find something else. He can go get another job or he can try and start another business. I mean, he's already done it once before. I've been encouraged that most entrepreneurs just seem to believe that no matter what, they can land on their feet. And I think that's pretty good advice.
0: You know... You're, if, if you're making money, then you're in business. And how you run your business is up to you. Um, but you you, you got to be making money to uh, to really say that you're, you're uh, in business. Um, and, and again, that depends on the type of business, the uh, type of business that you want to be, that you want to grow. But um, at some point in time, you want to get to a point where you're actually making money, but that's going to require an investment in yourself also. Um, But other than that, you know, ultimately you have to go for it. Just give it a shot. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You can always start another business. You have plenty of options. You you live in a, a place where options are unlimited. It's just upon
1: you to take advantage of it. And in the next episode of the and C podcast, we're going to talk with Julia Fisher, founder of the Play Library, a really cool new library that rents out toys instead of books. And Julia's path to the Play Library hasn't exactly been direct. It's gone through a couple different career shifts, and it's even crossed city and state lines a couple different times. But she's finally found something that she's really excited about. And it's also something that her childhood friends think is pretty cool, too, which we'll find out is actually kind of a big deal. And we're going to have a clip from that episode in just a minute. But if you want to make sure that you don't miss that episode, the best thing you can do is hit subscribe. On whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts, maybe like the one you're listening to right now, just click the little subscribe button. It's that easy. And if you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you would consider sharing it. And if you wonder, well, what's in it for me? I'm glad you asked. Because my friend Doug Burns at the Rivertown Anchory has generously said that he would give away one of his Since he Is For Dreamers shirts for every episode this season. All you have to do is share a link to this episode using the hashtag Since he Is For Dreamers. Again, that's hashtag Since he Is For Dreamers. And go ahead and tag at Preboot Podcast on either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter in that post just to make sure that I don't miss it. That way, your name will be entered into the drawing to win one of the Senseos for Dreamer shirts from Doug Burns and The Rivertown Inquiry. And while you're at it, feel free to check out all the other awesome stuff that Doug has at his shop at therivertowninquiry.com. Thanks again, Doug, for supporting this podcast and all the amazing entrepreneurs in Cincinnati. And now, a clip from the next episode. So the suburb that I grew up in was a very, you could say, wealthy suburb of New York City um it was just north of the Bronx basically everybody was doing sports to get into the best college and doing all the extracurriculars to get into the best college um the the goal was getting into Harvard or Yale and then with the hope of becoming a doctor or a lawyer or working at a hedge fund or something like that in New York City so um that was kind of where my head was I knew that that was as far as I was concerned the measure of success Uh, which was really stressful because I wasn't that kind of student and I didn't want to be those things. So I was grappling with my wants and the thing that I thought I should be.